Talks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, the fan flying solo, well, kind of solo here on the Green and Growing podcast. Uh, coming up, uh, I had a chance to run down and have a conversation with Bill Ryder, uh, NBA insider for CBS Sports. Of course, can hear Bill Ryder on 1250 AM, the fan weekdays from 9 to 11. I'm writer than you, uh, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy the interview. So that's uh, uh, coming up in, in just a, a few minutes. First, I want to talk about uh, what happened uh, in the Bucks and Trailblazers game. Now, look, you could say uh, that maybe I jinxed the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and maybe that's true. Maybe I did jinx them because uh, early in that basketball game, I did tweet out like, Shouldn't we be expecting the Bucs to pull away, kind of kind of run and hide, blow out this Trailblazers team? I, after all, Damian Lillard, coming back to Portland, uh, you would assume uh, Lillard scores 40 points, maybe gets more than 40 points. It just absolutely goes off. This whole, I haven't been shooting all that well, all that stuff. You just expect that you're going to get a magical type game from Damian Lillard in his return to Portland because all the hoopla that goes into returning home, right? I mean, think about it. He gets to see his kids, gets to see his family, his friends, uh, people in the community you know, that he's familiar with. They let him fly home uh, a day early before they left to go to Portland so he could have more time with his kids and stuff. So all of that buildup. Kids are going to be at the game. Dad's going to show out and have a good game. Uh, then all the people that work for the Trailblazers, like my favorite person, uh, Sherry Hansen, media goddess who used to work for the Bucks years ago. She's over there uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. So he gets to see all those people. Then you have uh, the introductions and everybody goes crazy. Uh, the video tribute, all, all that stuff that goes into a guy coming back. And, you know, if Giannis ever leaves the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, God forbid that happens. But if and when that ever happens, it's going to be the same thing, I would imagine, where, you know, Giannis is, is going to have some emotions going through him coming back. Uh, to play in Milwaukee. Uh, there'll be a lot of emotions in the house. At the beginning of that game uh, against the Trailblazers, I, I would say that they were cheering as much for Dame Lillard to score baskets uh, as they were cheering for their own Portland Trailblazers team uh, in the beginning of that game. Now, they were definitely not pro Giannis by any stretch, counting you know to 10 when he was at the line, booing him all the time. So they weren't necessarily pro Giannis, but uh, they were definitely still pro Lillard. And I'm hoping... Uh, that that same type of reaction will occur if and when uh, Giannis leaves and then comes back with another team to Milwaukee uh, and that everybody can understand kind of what's going on with that thing. Because look back at the history of Wisconsin sports, that normally doesn't happen, right? Uh, Paul Molitor leaves in free agency to go to the Toronto Blue Jays. At that time, nobody knew it was because Bud Selig uh, was underballing him or lowballing him uh, at that time. Uh, so he comes back uh, to County Stadium, and I'm guilty. I was there. I was one of these people uh, booing him. Uh, you know, every time uh, he came up to bed, boot the hell out of him. He didn't want to leave. Um, had no interest in wanting to leave. He just wanted a fair offer, not even have to be the highest offer, just a fair offer in the in you know the same region as what everybody else was offering. Couldn't get it, uh, and then for a long time that relationship was fractured, and neither side talked to each other. And then you have the Brett Favre situation that obviously played out in Green Bay and all the drama that went along with that between him trying to get into a, a family night uh, scrimmage, uh, him going on Fox News with Greta Van Sustern. Uh, we ended up uh, you know, uh, doing the whole barbecue at Maddie's Bar and Grill in New Berlin that made the national news that night, the 530 national news. Uh, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. And when he goes to the Jets, okay, fine, not going to play the Jets, don't really care. Uh, but then when he forces his way out there and says, hey, I, I, I want out, you know, otherwise I'm going to retire if you don't let me go. 
And they say, fine, if we get our quarterback in the draft, you can go. Mark Sanchez was that guy. They get Mark Sanchez out of USC. They let Favre go so he can get himself to Minnesota, which is where he wanted to be anyhow because he was madder than mad and wanted revenge on Ted Thompson. Uh, And so he gets his wish and, you know, gets booed to smithereens. And that relationship uh, between the organization and Brett Favre was fractured for quite some time. Uh, And then eventually... Uh, you know, eventually figured itself out, and, and now it's it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. He came back. Uh, all these people cheering for Brett Favre at Lambeau Field, and all of that fun stuff. And now that's fine. Uh, Rogers, uh, I don't know how the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to go if he ever gets to come back to Green Bay to play. No idea if he'll ever get to play in Green Bay or not. Uh, but if he does, you know, will he be met with boos? Will he be met with cheers? How will that go? Um, I find it hard to believe. That the reception that he gets will be similar to what Dame Lillard got uh, in Portland. Uh, and that is why I'm hoping uh, that Giannis gets closer to what Lillard has gotten versus these other guys uh, that have left either through free agency uh, or have asked to be traded or whatever the case may be. Now, I'm not old enough to remember what happened with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he demanded out of Milwaukee. Uh, as far as when he returned, you know, did he get booed? How did that go? Uh, if you're old enough to remember, I've heard stories of what happened that that first time they played in Milwaukee. Feel free to tweet me at Sparky Radio or DM me uh, and let me know how that played out. Because I honestly, I don't believe I've ever heard a story saying what happened that night when he came back for the first time to play the Milwaukee Bucks. But I would imagine he got booed. I was, you know, there and an adult. I'm pretty sure I would have booed the hell out of him had I known that he demanded a trade out in Milwaukee after having won a championship. Because that was really early in the process. He wasn't here nearly as long as Giannis has been here already. Uh but either way, so hopefully Giannis gets that same type of reception. So now the game starts and away we go. And, you know, Lillard is still not well, still not not shooting the ball well at all. I mean, scoring and getting to the basket. Um, he had a shot block trying to get to the basket uh, by, by DeAndre Aiden. Uh, just it wasn't a, a great night uh, necessarily uh, for Dame Lillard uh, overall. 9 of 23, nothing special about that. 3 of 13 from 3, it's God right, God uh, uh, awful. Uh, 25 points, 6 boards, 7 assists. And again, nothing special necessarily. Uh, Giannis, 10 of 16, 8 boards, 4 assists, 27 points. Middleton, 9 of 13, 21 points, 8 assists for him. Brooke Lopez, 7 of 14, 4 of 10 from 3, 19 points, 4 boards. Uh, for him, uh, the bench, you got Bobby Portis in the double figures with 11, uh, 5 of 7. That's probably the best road game he's had in quite some time. Uh, but then again, outside of that, what else did you have? Jay Crowder with 6, not a point from Payne, not a point from uh, Pat Connaughton in that game. And either one played a ton of minutes, 8 minutes and 14 minutes respectively between Payne uh, and Connaughton. And this has been an ongoing thing, right? That they've got to get better bench play going forward. And I, we, we could talk about, oh boy, you know, at the trade deadline, they could get one guy. But are, are they really one guy away? Is that really all that they're away right now? Are we buying that they're one player away? I'm struggling to believe they're one player away. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm being negative sparky again. I don't know. I I, I just, I'm watching this and I'm going, I, I, don't, I don't know how this dramatically changes. Now, your starting unit, starting unit, I should say, will get better, right? Offensively, they're going to get better because uh, Doc is going to get them into more of a rhythm and it's going to look more like, uh, an NBA offense where all players on the floor know what they're doing. So that'll be nice. Uh, they'll take advantage of strengths uh, of Giannis and Dame Lillard, I would think. My one area of concern, if I have any kind of going forward with this, is Middleton. Now, I know most of you don't like Chris Middleton, or some of you, maybe not most of you, but some of you don't like Chris Middleton. 
I think he's overpaid, whatever. Can't stay healthy, always gets hurt, fine. But um, they need him. And when he is playing well, you kind of got to feed him a little bit. I don't think they really did that. And they don't think they really have done that to this point. When Middleton gets going early and he hits his first two, three, four shots, get him the ball. Let him go. You know, he, he can create for himself. Turn around, fade away, boom, money. Whatever. Let him get going. Let him get into a rhythm. When Damian Lillard or Giannis get going, I tend to feel like they, they tend to kind of go here, right? And they keep kind of keep going back. And then you'll get a heat check for Giannis or a heat check from Damian Lillard to see how hot they are. Middleton never gets to that point, really, of ever being able to get to the point of having a heat check because he doesn't ever get the ball as much. And I know there's only one basketball and you're asking for these three guys to share the basketball and somebody's going to be the loser in the situation and that's going to be Middleton. I understand and I can accept that. All I'm saying is if Lillard's not going and he was not going in that game, and I know it was homecoming, but if we go to the next game that they're going to play, they're in Dallas Saturday night. If you go to that game, if Lillard is struggling again, and again, Milton hits his first few shots, enough is enough. At, at some point, Doc's got to go, guys, Chris is going, let's get him the ball, right? Get the ball cash money, and, and let's ride cash money for a few possessions here, uh, and let's see how far he can take us. And Lillard and Giannis have got to be willing to get on board with that. They just do. Okay, we'll sacrifice our shots. If he's the hot hand, we're going to feed him and get him going at this point. That's one thing I want to see. The other thing I want to see is Doc Rivers is old school because he's old. That's part of what makes you old school, right? He had Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid liked to shoot from outside. Joel Embiid played with his back to the basket and played inside. How much in this offense is he going to want to throw the ball down to big Brook Lopez and say, go to work, my man. Go get it done. Because that does not happen. They haven't done that since Bud was here. You get a little, you know, a little spurt here or there, but it hasn't been consistent. And Brook Lopez, back to basket, I'll take him against against most centers, and I think he'll be just fine. He'll score just as much as the rest of them if you feed him the ball down low. And again, if they come to double, you have Middleton, you have Lillard, you have Beasley. You've got guys where he can pitch it out. If he gets going and they start to try to drop the, the double, that's another weapon that, in my mind, they're not using. Instead, it's go out to three-point land and chuck a bunch of threes, which is great. It brings the, the opposing big away from the hoop, and that's great. But I've got bad news. Your own big isn't near the basket now, and he isn't in a position to rebound the basketball either. So depending where Giannis is on the floor, you're giving up huge size inside, and now you're having to have your guards crash the boards, like Malik Beasley is going to have to go get five, six rebounds a game consistently. When Connaughton's in there, he's got to crash the boards. I mean, you're you're asking a lot. Where if you can just run some offense from time to time throughout a game through Brook down that low block and let him go to work, I feel comfortable with it. It's not the current, you know, shoot 53s in a game NBA. I understand. So, you know, I'm sure most of you are like, oh, you're so old, Sparky. Why would you, We don't do that anymore in the NBA. Okay, fine. All I'm saying is that's what something I'd like to see. I'd like to see them ride Milton a little bit more when he's going. I'd like to see them use Brooke Lopez with his back to the basket down the low block, low block uh, and let him go to work. And let's see what he can do. I bet you money he'd be a lot more efficient down there than shooting threes for the entire game. So that's something else I want to see. The other thing I, I, I'm curious about here, Doc, are you ever going to play any young players on this team? I mean, you get here, and Marjan, Bojamp, and Andre Jackson Jr. have not seen the light of day. 
I don't know. Like, I mean, they're being treated like Robin Lopez and Thanasis. That's how they're being treated. Like, hey, you're not playing. You, you had to suit up, but you're not playing unless somebody gets hurt. That's crazy to me. This is the same dude. Again, it's early. They've only played a couple games. But this is the same dude, Doc Rivers, who at his press conference, when he was introduced, when asked about those guys, said one of them is going to have to play a role for us down the stretch here. Okay, well, they can't play a role for you if you don't play them. That's the thing that drives me crazy. And I know, Doc, the pressure's on you to win a championship. It's about winning now and so forth. I understand. But Pat Connaughton, big deal if he loses minutes. Who cares? Like, does it really matter at this point if he loses minutes? Cameron Payne, okay. Well, if he loses some minutes, fine. Bobby Portis on the road outside this Portland game. Normally, that ain't a big deal either. But you do lose some rebounding. So, whichever one's playing is going to have to play a little bit more. All I'm saying is you have to figure out a way, whoever this is going to be that you want to ride, to get on that train and get him into the flow of things kind of soon here. Like, unless... Unless the deal is with him and John Horst of we're trading these two, so don't worry about it. They're going to be gone and they're going to be gone in trades, right? So if if the deal is, you know, Portis and Jackson are going one deal, Bochamp, Connaughton, and a pick are going in another deal, and we're redoing this bench with two or three new basketball players. Now, if that's what's going on, and that's why you're not playing them, then I am 100% on board with not playing them because you don't want to risk injury. You don't want to risk them looking horrible and decreasing any value they actually might have at this point. Then, okay, I get it. I'm on board. Don't play them. Deadline's the 8th. Deadline's this Thursday. This Thursday, I believe at 2 p.m. Central, is the NBA trade deadline. There has been zero talk that I have heard of concerning the Milwaukee Bucks. Not, not a lot of talk in general uh, around the NBA. We're going to get into that uh, with Bill Ryder, uh, NBA insider from CBS Sports, and of course does Ryder Than You uh, on CBS Sports Radio weekdays here on 1250 AM. The Fan, you'll hear from Bill Ryder and myself up next here on Green and Growing. Download it on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast ad. And of course, you can always stream us when we do these shows from time to time uh, on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Steve Sparky, 5 for 1250 AM, The Fan, talking with our guy, CBS Sports, NBA Insider. And, of course, you hear him on Writer Than You on 1250 AM, The Fan, weekdays, Monday through Friday from 9 to 11. He is Bill Ryder. Follow him on Twitter at SportsWriter. Uh, I think when the season started, everybody was fairly confident in the Milwaukee Bucks competing with the Boston Celtics uh, to come out of the East uh, and go try and win an NBA championship. Bill, do you think that confidence is still there after a midseason firing of a coach and bringing in Doc Rivers, a perennial choke? So, it, yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like, I, it's, I do not have that confidence. And there are many people who don't have that confidence. And I'm not a Doc Rivers guy, and that is not a secret. And I can sort of – we could talk as much as you want about the reasons for that. And there are many people in the NBA who have put that idea in my brain and, and think that he is not the, the guy. But he's won a championship. Obviously, he can be defensively inclined. Very important for Milwaukee. There was, there was something wrong with Adrian Griffin's stewardship of the team, or else they would not have fired him at 30 and 13, if I got that right, when he went away. It can be a guy has there has to be a change, and you still have to hire the right person. So, so – there is some optimism if you're a Bucks fan. I have so many family members in Milwaukee that get mad at me when I when I talk about Doc now, and they're worried. But yeah, I think there, I think Sparky, I think there's reason to be worried. I think his history is reason to be worried, and I think it's a really odd choice given the fact that Milwaukee is in a you have to win an NBA championship window. They are obviously they did it a few years ago, good enough to do that to hire a coach where there are real questions 
about that being a weakness of his playoff basketball as a coach. The thing that bothers me is you, you give Giannis a final three of guys to talk to. It's Nick Nurse won a championship, right? It's Kenny Atkinson, uh, and then it's Adrian Griffin. I think they thought that Nick Nurse would be the choice. They'd get a championship coach. They'd go. Giannis, apparently, according to reports, did like Nick Nurse. He picks the former NBA player instead. Uh, and then the Bucks are left scrambling like, oh, no. So yep. here, here's yep. Terry Stotts because we don't trust you. Here's Terry Stotts to help you. And then Terry Stotts walks out after a, a – Kerpuffle, whatever you want to call it, in a practice. And then in-season tournament, now it's according to reports. Uh, oh, here's Doc Rivers. You guys know each other. Yeah, uh, he's going to help you the rest of the way here. Again, another sign. I'm not trusting you. But Doc Rivers wasn't in the final three to begin with for Giannis to talk to. And now Doc Rivers is the new head coach. What changed about Doc Rivers in that time? Yeah, it's, it, it's unbelievable. And let me say this, like this caveat. I like the people in the front office in Milwaukee. And I think they are good at their jobs, but this is not a good situation for them. And it is not a good look and it is not ideal. So I can tell you what I know. And I can tell you what I, what I can speculate. Um, what I would speculate is that on the back end, what changed speculation, don't know this, but doc rivers is very charming and doc rivers is obviously very well regarded in some circles. And when you're on television, like, like doc was until he became the bucks head coach for ESPN, you have access to people. And this, I don't know this, but it feels like this might have been in part an end around around the front office. Doc has a reputation for being very good at managing up with, with ownership. Nothing wrong with that. I wish I was better at managing up with my bosses. It's an important skill. But it, to your point, if you wanted to hire him, if John Horst, who is the GM in that organization, wanted to hire Doc Rivers, you could have hired him in the damn summer when Doc Rivers was obviously and clearly available. And I think you're 100% right. Nick Nurse should have been the guy. He, he should have been the choice. And managing your star players, which in its own way is sort of managing up, right? In the NBA, you're the GM, but, but Giannis is he's not your boss, but you've got to manage him properly. When this got out of control and Adrian Griffin became the guy, you, you can't put him in the room initially if you, don't, if you can't accept that, he, that this, could be, this could be the outcome. And, and so it is an absolute mess. And I think what changes Adrian Griffin was in trouble. Doc got brought in as an advisor. I know they're pushing back on that notion, but it's semantics. He met with them. He talked to them. He had met at least once with Adrian Griffin. That he, was, he was in the mix. And I think, again, speculation, but what people around the NBA think, once Doc realized because he was hired or brought, not hired, when he was brought in as this informal advisor, once Doc realized that Adrian Griffin wasn't long for this world, I think he started to position himself as the guy, and that may have included with people beyond the front office. No doubt. He had a month to watch film and watch game film and be like, this is what he should be doing. I would do this. I would do that. I would do this. And then they said, okay, Doc, you're going to be our guy. Out you go, Adrian. In comes Doc Rivers. The whole thing was slimy to me. I didn't like any of it of, of how this whole thing played out. It feels gross, doesn't it? Yes. It feels it's horrible. gross. Yeah. yeah, but but again, this is the same ownership group minus Mark Lazary, who's no longer part of it, that had Larry Drew at a press conference with Jabari Parker uh, as their number one pick and John Hammond, and they're talking. Meanwhile, they're in New York trying to work out a trade to get Jason Kidd from the Nets to replace Larry Drew, uh, and that whole thing was bizarre and screwed up as well. So anything That's goes true. with the way these guys work. Having said that, so Damian Lillard gets there now. Again, Lillard wasn't a part of this when they hired Adrian Griffin and all of that, and they like to go back to that right. about how expectations change but that's crap in my mind wasn't it always championship or bust even if it was drew holiday that whole roster that was under bud who you fired because you didn't think he did a good enough job it was all coming back so how do expectations change i guess that's where i'm confused i i think everybody still had the bucks in championship or bust mode even before damian lillard 
Yeah, you're right. The expectations didn't change. The pressure changed because you already are expected to win. You're already expected to, to and you have to make good on this, this window for Giannis. But the, when you trade, I mean, when you trade your holiday, it's already, it's already like, this better be right. Obviously, uh, John Horace in the front office did not anticipate that Holiday was going to end up as a Boston Celtic. And when you pair, obviously, Drew Holiday with the Celtics and you pair him with Christoph Porzingis, I mean, Boston, when those guys are all playing, are, are a force. You're right. It isn't the expectations that changes. It is the pressure. It is the, oh, no, what have we made a mistake? It is the, the angst that now adds on to the natural expectation and all the things that come with the expectations when you have Giannis. And not just Giannis. I mean, I know some of the parts are different, but you have the core that won an NBA championship a couple of years ago. So I'm with you. That, that argument that things change for Adrian, it's just, it's just not true. You took a championship-level team, and you did what you thought was an upgrade by bringing in Damian Lillard. But if you're wrong, then you have jeopardized a championship-level team and a rookie head coach under that pressure, under that scrutiny, under the, the rhythm that it takes, and you have to try to create between two superstars, and clearly Dame and Giannis are both superstars. Maybe he wasn't up to the task, but I, I'm with you. This was a Milwaukee team that was always expected to be a contender, and that was always going to be the case, even if you hadn't completely recalibrated the look of the roster to get Damian Lillard. As you watch this Bucks basketball team with Lillard, Giannis, Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, is it out of line to say that they need to figure out how maybe to start getting Chris Middleton uh, uh, a few more shots within this offense? Yeah, it's funny you bring this up because I'm, we're, we're doing this or developing over at CBS Sports, like an NBA show that, um, that comes out at some point, I don't know, a, a month or so, and, and we're doing test shows, and we had this argument where I, I just sort of casually thought it was a, a legitimate statement, casually brought up, you know, Chris Middleton's, you know, is a, you got two superstars and Chris Middleton who's, who's close, and there was just, just this uproar, like Middleton's not a superstar, is Middleton a superstar? And maybe it's, maybe superstar is the wrong term, but he was an all, he has been an all-star. I think he is a Former, he's a current star player, should be, on obviously a former championship team. And, and to your point, you have to integrate Giannis and Damian Lillard. You obviously should use them more in the pick and roll. You're going to have to figure out end-of-game situations. Like, I, I probably am putting the ball, if it's, if it's, if it's a walk-off kind of situation, a, I'm putting the ball in Lillard's hand and not Giannis's, but you've got to, it's hard to navigate. And I think what's gotten lost in the shuffle is, hey, you've got to make Milton a part of this, and you've got to get him in the mix. And it's got to be a trio. I, I don't think, Sparky, there's a big three – approach anymore in the NBA, but if there were, he could be a third part of a biggish three. I, he's not that level. He's not a superstar. I got it, but he is an all-star and he is a, he can be a difference maker. And yes, I think he has also lost some of his comfort in the offense as those two superstars are trying to figure out how, how to coexist. Again, that's an Adrian Griffin fail, but now it's a Doc Rivers responsibility, but you're hundred percent right. It is an important thing to solve. When you look at Boston, I mean, they're clearly the best regular season team, I think, right now in the NBA as we sit here today. Now, they've got to stay healthy. Porzingis has a history of, of not being healthy throughout an entire year. So, providing they're all healthy uh, once you get to the playoffs, are they essentially the team to beat in the NBA? I think it's yes with an asterisk. So, the answer is yes, or at least I will put them and the Denver Nuggets on the same pedestal, right? Because I've just seen what Denver is. And I know they've been a little lackadaisical, the Nuggets, this year, but, but when they really care, they're, they're really, really good. I think that the Celtics' road is a lot harder. I think there's three reasons for that. I think the first reason is what you just said, injury history, injury bad luck, and the history of Christoph Porzingis, that matters. I think, that's, I think that's one. I think the second thing is Jason Tatum in big games. And, and look, I know he's had some big games, but if you go back through it, he's had some, he's had some clunkers in game sixes and game sevens where Boston had chances to win 
and advance. And, and it's the conversation you can have about Donovan Mitchell. It's the conversation you can have about Joel Embiid. Obviously, like Tatum is a, can be a top five player in the NBA. He's got to win some series just himself. And I think it's an open question. And the third thing for me, I think the East is, is brutal. I just think I think the Bucks and the Sixers and the Celtics are all capable and not surprising if they were NBA champions this year. And I think that there are landmines spread across the East that it can't be all of those teams, but maybe could beat one of them if they got hot. I wouldn't want to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in an open round series. I wouldn't want to play the New York Knicks if they're healthy. I wouldn't want to play the Indiana Pacers if, and I think when Halliburton and Siakam get more than a couple games together and start to really click and they figure that thing out. And I know that they lost like 500 games in a row before winning the other night, but I wouldn't want to play the Miami Heat. So, I think for the Celtics, they're the best team, but I think the field is really, really tough this year. One last thing. As we record this on Thursday, February 1st, we're a week away uh, from the NBA trade deadline, and I I think it's been really, really quiet, uh, more so than maybe in past years as we sit a week out from the deadline as far as potential moves. Is this going to be a quiet deadline, or are you hearing otherwise? So I'll tell you what I'm hearing, and the answer is I don't know. So so basically, a a lot of factors, I think, have driven – uh, the price of assets up. The, the first factor is the Rudy Gobert trade as, as the prime example, right? They, I mean, everybody made fun of, of the Timberwolves for the four first round picks, right? For, for Gobert. And, and maybe they should have, but now all of a sudden the Timberwolves, at least on paper are legitimate. So there's a sense from teams that are selling assets like Atlanta, like Chicago, right? Moving on maybe from Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan or down in Atlanta, a guy like, like DeJounte Murray, there's a, a sense of we have got to get a return. And especially in Atlanta, it's okay, we, we gave up so much for Murray, we, we got to get a lot back. And teams just don't want to pay that. And the other thing is there are, again, I think so many good teams, especially in the East, that if you're Cleveland or you're in New York or you're the Thunder are really good, the Timberwolves are, are really good, I don't think there's as much desperation in a lot of teams. I think those teams feel like we'd like to improve, but we're not going to overspend because we have a ceiling even as we're constructed. So the teams that are really desperate, teams like the Warriors and teams like the Lakers, have some obstacles to, to, to making a move. For the Lakers, they have to give up Austin Reeves in that first-round pick. They don't want to do that. And for the Warriors, do they really want to blow up, blow up a team that, that its core won a championship a couple of years ago? So I think, Sparky, all of those factors have, have sort of suppressed a little bit the market. Maybe someone will get desperate at the end and offer too much, or maybe Chicago or Atlanta or Toronto for the sellers will get desperate and say, oh, the hell with it, we'll lower our price. So I don't know, but I think right now there's a lot of forces that are slowing things down and creating scenarios where it could be a very slow deadline. He is Bill Ryder. He's got a great show. You can listen to it on 1250 AM, The Fan, CBS Sports Radio's Writer Than You, 9 to 11 AM each and every weekday on The Fan. And, of course, CBS Sports' very own NBA insider. He is Bill Ryder. Follow him on Twitter at SportsWriter. Bill, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Great to be on. See Sparky Pfeiffer back with you again. No Nathan Marzian here on the Green and Growing Podcast today. He'll be back uh, next week, obviously. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. You can download this uh, fine, fine podcast on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast at my thanks to Bill Ryder of CBS Sports Radio and NBA Insider for CBS Sports uh, for joining us there uh, in this last segment. Again, interview I, I had the opportunity to do earlier in the day prior to uh, recording the podcast. Uh, and th- this is the thing. If they do not, they, the Bucs, do not acquire anybody uh, at the NBA trade deadline, and this is the roster that they're going to play with the rest of the season, I hate to say it, I, to me, they're not going to win it. They're just not. I mean, could they go, the, they're going to go to the playoffs. Sure. Are they going to win a round? Absolutely. Maybe two. Um, but is, is this an NBA champion caliber team if nothing is done to change that bench and there's 
no type of um, chemistry change and defensive-minded players and so forth kind of added to this mix to kind of shake things up a little bit. If they don't do anything and say, well, Doc is our, Doc is our, our, our addition at the deadline, uh, I, don't think, I don't think they're good enough. And I hope I'm wrong. Boy, do I hope I'm wrong. I hope Pat Connaughton catches fire in the playoffs. I hope Marjan or Jackson, whoever's playing, catches fire in the playoffs. And they get on some type of magical run where a couple guys just play out of their minds for the playoff run. That would be amazing. I would be so happy. Two NBA championships in my lifetime. Man, I would be stoked. Do I expect it? No. No, I don't. And that that is why when Bill Ryder says, you know, there's some stuff going on, but all depends on a couple of other teams. And again, if if Chicago decides, the Bulls, because they're in the playoffs right now, they're in that play-in tournament, if they decide they're going to fire sale it, dude, you got to be in on Caruso. Like you, You've got to be in that conversation immediately on Caruso. They decide to blow it up. If the Pistons decide they're going to change course and kind of tear that thing down a little bit and, and maybe trade away a piece or two that isn't working in their puzzle, you kind of got to figure out how to be in on that too. That's, to me... Wherever there's going to be a possible fire sale or possible breaking up of a team, as this organization goes, you got to be one of the first two kind of in the door that hears about it through your scouts or whoever the case may be that, hey, man, where it is, they're going to blow this thing up. You may want to call. You got to be one of the first guys in before anybody else gets in and try and get this deal done quick. Uh, Because I don't think you're good enough to win a championship with the roster that you currently have right now. Would love to be proven wrong, uh, but I, I just. I lack a lot of faith uh, that they're going to be able to uh, have that bench play well enough to win. And I know when you get in the playoffs, Sparky, you're only playing like seven or eight guys. Fine, but those are the guys that I'm worried about. Bobby Portis on the road, again, finding Portland most of the time, doesn't have that same juice as he does at home. Bobby Portis at home can be Superman. Bobby Portis on the road as Clark Kent. And that's that's a big problem that, that has to be figured out and fixed. He has to figure it out and fix it. How does he get himself motivated and get that type of juice on the road like he does at home? That'll do it for another edition of Green and Growing. Download on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles.